When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From lunch through to tea, this is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Radio, let's rip in. What a day to be a part of today, the day after, the night before, which was those magnificent football ferns, uh, heart, just determination like I've never seen from that team before. I've watched a bit of them in the last couple of years, hoping they would turn their form around. Well, they got it right, didn't they? I want to hear from you. Uh, particularly people that went, people that tuned in and watched. Um, I've been very busy organising the show today, so I haven't heard the listen, uh, the callers and the texts today, but your experience of watching it at home, watching it at the stand, holy hecka. And apparently after full time, the ticket sales went bang for not only the New Zealand games still to come, uh, but other games as well, which is awesome. And as predicted, I said New Zealand will walk up people once the tournament starts, we'll get into it. Couldn't have happened better last night, really. That's the best advertisement. That's the best advertisement. Absolutely loved it. Very shortly, Ava Collins out of the Football Ferns camp will be joining us. I'm also going to drag Casey, who we had on the show yesterday, giving us a bit of a game preview. She was at the game last night. And she's hardly slept. And she's walking on air today. Just absolutely loved it. So I just want to get a fan experience from her. Uh, in the first hour, she's very busy today as well. So during an ad break, I'll go out and see if she's available to come and have a chat to us. Uh, just a quick one. Um, also going to talk to Julian Dean on the Tour de France. Three stages to go. There's a, a hilly stage, a mountain stage, and then the flat stage, which is the ride into the Champs-Élysées. Jonas Vingegaard, unassailable lead, uh, barring incident, uh, accident, um, mechanical breakdown, something like that. About a seven and a half minute lead he's got. But we'll talk to Julian Dean about what's gone on over the last nearly three weeks. Touch on the New Zealanders in the tour last night. Corbin Strong, 13th, 15th across the line last night at the end of his very first Grand Tour. I think Corb's 21-22. We had him on um, during the Commonwealth Games and the Tour of Southland as well. Really up and comer in the cycling scene, so we'll talk to Jules about him. Casey Frank on the happenings of last night with uh, quarterfinal, play and final, preliminary semifinals, whatever they're called, um, eliminations, uh, three played six, four played five. We'll review that and preview 
the semis one tonight, a semi tomorrow, and then the grand final Sunday. Casey Frank, of course, hosts Hoop Heads here on SENZ and on Sky Sport as well. I'll do my own little TAB odds update. I'll probably focus on the Ashes and um, British Open, and I'll have a look ahead to uh, New Zealand's next football game. Think about They've knocked off the top seed in their group, their top seed. They were 12th ranked in the world, Norway. Fantastic news. Uh, news, we'll find out what else is making news, where we put Finn Basimo to the test. Finn on with me today because Sammy Hewitt is calling the for the mighty one New Zealand Warriors tonight up against Canberra. And I can tell people around the country, non-Auckland people, well, we've only got Auckland and Wellington on today, so I'm leaning on you people because the rural roundups in our other markets... Um, the weather in Auckland, uh, without swearing, I've had a guts full of it. I've had an absolute guts full of it. It's proper rain and hasn't stopped since I woke this morning. In fact, it was heaving last night. We've got flooding out west, you poor buggers. I do feel for you out there. Um, we've got flooding on some of the corners. I had to be, I was diverted off the motorway, I had to go through the back of Remuera or somewhere, and there's flooding all on the roads. We've had enough. And the problem was we can't blame anyone. <laughs> but it's going to be a sodden, sodden field tonight for the Warriors. Um, and we will have live commentary and build up for that as well. Also, the Jeremy Paul show just after two o'clock. Although he hasn't replied to me. Two hours away. Maybe we just ring him and hope for the best. But he's uh, due for two o'clock. Uh, we'll have some highlights of the Ashes as well, uh, put together by our SEN crew over in Australia. We'll have a look back in the day, and we'll talk to Jimmy Smith across the ditch as per normal. But Ava Collins is part of the Football Ferns, a travelling reserve. I talked to her earlier this morning, uh, well, a matter of minutes ago actually, because they had to get away and on a bus and go out to training. So here's the chat I had with Ava just moments ago. Well, couldn't start the show with anyone else but part of the Football Ferns family because they gave us so much joy and I think a modicum of surprise with their performance last night. Ava Collins, who's a travelling reserve with our magnificent Football Ferns who are on the tip of everyone's tongues at the moment, joins us now just before you head off onto the bus. Ava, holy hecka, I, I don't know how to <laughs> surmise it. How do you surmise the events of last night? I don't think there is a way to summarize it. It was just, you know, absolutely incredible. It left everyone speechless, and yeah, we're all still reveling over it this morning, and um, we're just ah so so excited for the team. When I watched that game, like the, the the words that came out for me was grit, determination, never say die. You guys, every single player, every bench player, the coaches, yep. everyone was just hell bent on getting a result. Yeah, 100%. I mean, that's what we've talked about. It's going to take literally 26 of us plus all the staff and coaches to get this done. And everyone showed up last night. And that was just incredible to watch. And you could see the emotion on everyone's faces at the end um, just showing that. You know, this is not just uh, the past couple of weeks of training. This is years in the making. And, yeah, we're just – oh, it was incredible. Biggest football crowd ever in New Zealand. Think about that for a moment. That that's <laughs> off the hook. How did um, how did the squad prepare for that as either pressure or a help? Um, how was that discussed before maybe you <laughs> even left the ground or left the dressing rooms? Yeah, we've done um, quite a bit of preparation, both like mentally and on the field uh, for that. Obviously, 
yeah, it's a different feel when there's 40,000 people um, screaming out there and communication gets more difficult and, yeah, obviously the pressure is on. But we, we had quite a lot of uh, psych meetings on that and then on the training field, we actually simulated it with a lot of speakers. Um, so during trainings, we couldn't hear each other and it was like a crowd was screaming out. Um, so I definitely think that helped and, and you could see on the day everyone was calm and collected, so it was great. The expression of emotion that burst out of Hannah Wilkinson after that goal, I was just, I was trying to put myself in her, in her body, but I just couldn't because she was delirious. Yeah. No, it was, oh, what a moment for her. And, you know, everyone on the team loves Hannah Wilkinson so much. So everyone was just so happy for her. And, and the way the goal came, it was, it was a beautiful team effort. So I think it was just, yeah, that culmination of, hard work and, uh, you know, all the years that she's been on the team and thinking about the past, present and future friends. And it's just one of those moments where you, yeah, it's just overwhelming emotion. And, of course, Norway hit the woodwork with a shot which would have uh, tied the match up. Um, did, the, did the 90 minutes of play feel like a week for you because you actually weren't <laughs> on the field but you're part of yes. that family? Yeah, 100%. I mean... Yeah, everyone was on the edge of their seats the entire game, but especially, yeah, those last 15, 20 minutes felt like an eternity. Um, but it just felt like, yeah, things were going our way. We we were just switched on and everything, we wanted it more than them, and we showed that last night for sure. It must be so satisfying that your game plan came off. I, I'd imagine you're all surprised with, like, how well you played for so long, for the whole comp- mm-hmm. the whole contest that everyone was there. Yeah, honestly, that that it was literally exactly what you what you're saying. The game plan just came off, and we all collectively worked so well together and um, so hard, and we just wanted it more than them on the day. And you know, and that is including the fans. The fans helped us, and we could feel that crowd energy. And yeah, every time we had a touch on the ball, there was cheers, and um, that just pushes you and gives you that extra one percent energy which does change the game. Sample set of New Zealanders, the staff here, all jumped onto the websites last night and bought tickets for your next games, which is just, just, <laughs> it's so New Zealand. It is so New Zealand yeah. to do last minute <laughs> stuff, but that's brilliant. Can, can you share with us the last maybe 12 hours, like post-match, bus, hotel, and the conversations <laughs> that went on? Yeah, so pretty much after the match, I think we all had a bit of, friends and family time and that was lovely just to, to engage with yeah, the fans and, and our friends and families which was lovely to see and then headed into the locker room and had the dance party of our lives um, yeah. <laughs> and were joined by Chris Hopkins and Jacinda um, so that was awesome uh, just to feel yeah the the absolute support that we have from them as well um, and then we headed yeah onto the bus and it was just more singing and dancing and um, just elation and then I think once we got back to the hotel everyone was pretty exhausted because we were up home by about midnight um, so then it was just yeah just winding down and we're thinking about the next challenge So you know you've got some very young players you've got some very experienced players how as a collective do you bottle that effort from last night and try and replicate for your last two matches in pool play? Yeah, I think we're going to obviously need a lot of support from the veterans on the team as well. You know, they, they've been through this before and, and um, know know what it's like in a World Cup. It's intense and it's fast-paced and you do have to move on to the next thing, whether you, what you've had before is good or bad. So I think 
it's going to be taking the energy that we had from that game and and carrying it through to the Philippines, um, but not letting it, you know, not letting ourselves get ahead of us. Right. So what's on the menu today, Ava? I mean, it's um, it just must be so hard to get your head back, back <laughs> into the competition, but you have to. Yeah, definitely. So the game changes and substitutes, we've all got um, a training ahead of us in about an hour. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's switching right back on and, and we're out to do it again. <laughs> and Coach, she's been under fire for some time and there's been people calling for her head. The New Zealand football stuck with her, your girls stuck with her. Do, do you think the adversity over the last couple of years that the football ferns have been through have united you? Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, once you go through so much as a team, it's, everyone just wants it that bit more. And we stuck to the game plan and we trusted Yitka and, and it, it paid off last night. So we're super proud of that. Mate, New Zealand is riding that game last night. It was just absolutely phenomenal. You're going to get a lot of bandwagoners now that have been a little bit reluctant <laughs> to jump on, but you'll throw the doors open for them, won't you? Yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> Look, you made us so proud. I'll let you go to training, let you get some sustenance in you. Um, thanks so much for chatting to us the day after a game of, you know, it's a history in the in the sporting calendar of New Zealand that's going to live on for a long, long time. Uh, go rip into it. You've made us all proud. Thank you so much. Thank you. Here she is, Ava Collins, um, just a few moments ago before they had to get on the bus at 12. So she, she jumped on with me just... Um, She's a young woman. Uh, I was very pleased with how level-headed she seemed to be, and that's the role, as she pointed out, that the veterans are going to have to do. Murray's given us a call. G'day, Murray. Uh, g'day, Steffi. How are you? Good, thank you. I'm just absolutely over the moon for those ladies. They, they just did us so proud. Yeah, I just didn't see it coming either, Murray. Like, not only, I mean, yes, I win, but just how much fight they had in them. Oh, absolutely. I, I watched that um, the Vietnam game and yeah, wasn't wasn't particularly convinced, but um, that was a totally, totally different team that came out last night. And I think to bounce back like that, Murray, as I mentioned to Ava, like the, the side's been under the gun. They went, I don't know, five hours without scoring a goal. The coach, people have been calling for her and the press and stuff like that. They stuck to their guns and... And I just, I don't know that I've seen a turnaround in form and performance like that for a long, long time. Oh, absolutely. New Zealand football in general, there's been a massive switch between playing the old guard type um, backs against the wall, um, you know, taking little bites here and there or or relying on a set piece and and getting your, your nips and goal that way. Um, for, for so long, it, it's just really refreshing to see a change where where they are looking to play on the ball and, and, and um, press teams like like had been done to us so uh, so many years before. Yeah, and pushing people forward, eh? Pushing our players. Our strikers oh. were actually strikers, not midfielders. It was we we were covering the park and covering gaps and asking questions of their defenders, which I just I just didn't expect. Oh yeah, it was positive. Pressing, pressing high up the pitch, it was it was really, really impressive. Um, sort of, you know, eight, 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 nine sort of ratings all over the pitch. Um, like there's a there's like an imprint in my head of basically every player having a really, really nice moment. Um, yeah. Like there was like um, maybe like through like a corner. I remember uh, three or four passes in the in the in defensive end where they just 
play, played their passes out and played out, and then they were away. Um, that was really nice. The, the goalkeeper, there was a, uh, a, a pass where she played over the top of the, um, the striker uh, to the to the right back, I think it was. That was awesome. Um, just, yeah, every player had one of those nice sort of moments in the, in the game that just really impressed. Yeah, and I thought if we were going to play well, one or two players would stand out. And it was like they didn't stand out because... I almost feel like every player almost had their best game in in, in the New Zealand uniform. Yeah, yeah, I, I I would agree with that. That was that was really impressive with so many players, um, like the the little midfielder that just uh, burst forward 20, 30 meters, and and I was, I was just wanting her to take a shot, but it never it didn't come in the end. But it was just really impressive to watch um, that. And there was a uh, the the right winger. I can't remember her name, Riley, I think it was. Ellie Riley, um, yeah. You know, beat, 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 beat her player um, twice where I thought, yep, she's beaten her now and now get the ball in and she just took that extra touch where I was wanting her to just whip it in. <laughs> um, but it was still really impressive. Yeah, I'm pleased you enjoyed it, Murray. Thanks heaps for calling and sharing that. Yeah, no worries. There he is, Murray. You can join in too. 0800 150 811. Your thoughts on the game last night? Uh, if you can't phone, I'd love your text messages as well. The Tampa Bear Post text machine number. You should be imprinted. Double eight, double three. Some feedback. Let's give them some love. What did you enjoy about it? How many plays did you know about before the game? And how many do you want to know more about now? Um, I just couldn't, could not have got better. Maybe if the penalty kick had gone in, I would imagine Eden Park would have absolutely erupted. Uh, the heart in the mouth moment when Norway hit the woodwork. Shall I tell you my confession about watching the game last night? I'll tell you my confession about watching the game last night. I was watching. Uh, watched the build-up, watched half-hour build-up, the whole shebang. Um, and the game was on and the ball went dead. And, of course, the British Open's on at the moment. And Ryan Fox was going all right at that time. So when the ball went dead for a goal kick or a free kick or something way back in our own defensive up, I switched over just to see the, see the scoreboard. And I kid you not, within 15 seconds, my phone blew up and it just said, what a goal. Oh my God, this is amazing. I turned back. I missed the goal. I missed the goal. Uh, I got back and they were running towards the corner celebrating the goal. I watched the replay. So the four, or the 30 seconds I was away was when New Zealand scored that sweeping goal, but there you go. Let's go to Craig at Tauranga. G'day, Craig. G'day, Steph. How you doing? Yeah, brilliant. What I'm after, if you're able, is just pull, if you can pull back the curtain on the TAB just a little bit. So we watched the game, I watched the, the football last night with, with my son and my, my wife, and we had the live betting up um, which was interesting to watch, especially after we'd scored the goal. So in the last sort of 20 minutes, we had the live betting up mm. and it's changing all the time. So what my son was asking me is, is that, uh, is that like an algorithm? Is it a program? Is it an AI? Is it a person that's sitting there and manually adjusting? How do those odds change? Because it was changing reasonably quickly, especially the odds on the draw. Um, the odds on the draw were moving all the time. When we had possession... Um, yeah, it was changing from, from when they had possession. So, yeah, I'm just wondering, how, do, how does that work? Well, when I was at the TAB and I used to do the life betting in the rugby, it was very 
manual. Um, I'd I'd punch in the numbers and push enter and change the price, and I push in the and it changes on position, changes on injuries, it changes on momentum, it changes on field position. Um, you're constantly changing, and you quite often find. Um, I'm not saying I was a brave bookmaker, but you might see the Wallabies hot on attack against uh, New Zealand. Um, a lot of bookmakers around the world would suspend it just in case the tribe was scored. I'd leave it open because only about one in 10 attacks would they score and you'd take easy money as a bookmaker, if you know what I mean. I think now it's a little yeah. it's a little bit automated. It's synced with the clock. It's synced with the time. And then it's synced with field position and possession. And I think while there is a person inputting that data, I think the prices are spat out automatically now. Ah, interesting. Yeah, yeah, no. So, I mean, it was a great game to watch, obviously, and and that just added a little bit more interest to it because I was almost tempted to to take a bit of insurance, um, <laughs> put a, put a put a bit of money on uh, partway through. But you know, when when they were, I think opened at what did they open at a dollar twenty two or something, and and then after the goal, they were obviously, uh, you know, we were favourites, and and they pushed out. But you know, they got to nine dollars or something, and there was still. 30 minutes left or something like that. I thought, that's not bad. They, they, there's possibly two goals in there. Obviously, I'm pleased I didn't put any money on it. But, um, yeah, no, that was interesting. And, and the game was the game was good. And I, I said to Smithy, I, I spoke to him and I texted him just saying that um, I, I was pleasantly surprised how fast our girls were. We seemed to to get to a lot of the 50-50 ball. I, I thought we were, we defensively, we were sound. We were solid with the ball. I thought we were far more creative in attack. Um, so I just think all round, we, we just dominated that game and deserved the win, yeah. uh, albeit only 1-0. But uh, we'll take the three points on the table. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you, Craig. Great chat. Thanks, buddy. Cheers. Cheers, mate. We'll take a quick break. Darren's on hold. Stay there, Darren, over there in Aussie. Massive rugby, man. This will be a good chat after the break, and you can join in too. 0800 150 811. Back after a short break. And it's a welcome into Darren and Aussie. Darren, welcome in. Hi, hi Staffy. How are you? Yes, very happy. I'm going uh, to talk about something that, uh, about soccer, which I never thought I'd ever ring up and do. Yeah. But, uh, mate, I've got a hell of a soft spot for this team. My, uh, my uncle is touch rugby, very successful touch rugby team. The playmaker in the team, his daughter is Jackie Hand. Ah. ah. So apparently she passed the ball to the striker who scored the goal. Correct. So, Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So um, my uncle, who was mentally one-eyed rugby, <laughs> is now watching soccer. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Yeah, so it's amazing how we're all, like, first thing I did when I woke up this morning was check to see how the soccer score was. Well, the great thing is the two weird. the two hosts had a win. Australia and New Zealand both had a win. It's, it's you couldn't ask for a better start for the locals, anyway. Oh well, like all the staff at, at my office today were talking about Australia's win, and I'm like, I can't believe the buzz that's going on about women's soccer. This is brilliant. So really, really good. I was, eh? a, bit, I was a bit nervous when they you know were giving out free tickets and stuff like that, and I thought, oh, geez, this could be a bit of a dud, but. Uh, it's anything but, which is great. No, and the sales have um, picked right up. As, as as a lot of people predicted, once the tournament started, we'd get a foothold and away we go. So it's, um, oh, we're just so lucky, so happy, uh, celebrating everywhere at the moment. It's just great news. Isn't this why we love sport? Like yesterday, I... Oh, he's gone. He's gone oh, great. It'll oh, no. be all right, you know. Yeah. And look at this. It's great. 
<laughs> it's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Just another thing on our sporting menu for the weekend. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, I uh, haven't got any rugby to watch, so bring it on. <laughs> bring it on. <laughs> good man, Darren. Thanks, mate. Cheers, buddy. Take it easy. We'll take new sport and weather. We've got Scott on hold. Uh, We won't be long, Scott. Let's get to Johnny Mack, and we'll come back with you after this. Back to the phones we go. We go down to the 04 and talk to Scott. G'day, Scott. Hey, Steph. How you going? Brilliant. Brilliant. How good was that last night? Um, you know, they. I think the pressure, you know, on them, um, not the expectation to obviously win, but obviously to perform um, and, and obviously keep a, a lot of people on their side who are, you know, sort of more casual fans than, than fans that would watch on a general basis. And boy, did they deliver. And I think they delivered across the whole board. Every player should stand up and obviously be very proud of themselves because they just did not uh, give Norway a chance. And um, obviously, I, I think, um, you know, playing them that wind as well wouldn't have helped because that was pretty strong wind by the by the sound of that on TV and if you watch the ball you could see the ball moving in the wind as well mm. um, so they, you know it, it was just a, it was a good performance that I don't think a lot of people saw coming and um, you know what what better way to get um, a lot more people on their side and um, I'm looking forward to Tuesday we've had our tickets for quite a long time and uh, yeah no we're, we're really looking forward to that yeah it was the response to the pressure that um, got to me. I it could have gone one or two ways. Could have got overawed. Could have could have played sort of cold and and hesitant or error ridden. It was anything but. It was quality. It, it was. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. They they had that pressure of the crowd there and and obviously a lot of people watching at home and and, and I think they took that pressure and and they used it to their advantage as well because I mean you know the, apart from um, the one shot that Essen tipped onto the bar um, which was a brilliant you know fingertip save as well mm. um, they they didn't really give them too many opportunities and um, obviously you know it would have been nice for the penalty to to go in as well just to you know give that bit of breathing room towards the end there um, but overall it was it was a good performance and and I mean the, the Hopefully, I mean they should beat the Philippines on Tuesday, um, and then obviously you know it, it might see them through, um, or, or come down to the game against Switzerland um, to finish that off. But I mean, how good would it be if they they went through to the round of sixteen? Oh, it'd be just brilliant, just absolutely brilliant. You enjoy Tuesday, Scott, and I'm I'm keen to hear your aftermath of that uh, next Wednesday, particularly. Yeah. No, I'll definitely give you a call on Wednesday. Just having a look before at the weather forecast, and it's it's not looking too bad. It's um, I think it's meant to be pretty average over the next few days, which will be interesting for the game on at the stadium tonight. But um, no, I'll definitely call back on uh, on Wednesday and let you know how it all goes. Brilliant. Look forward to it. You enjoy, Scott. Thanks for calling today. You too. Have a good weekend. Cheers, buddy. Uh, we'll go to the life member Zaid. Welcome in, Zaid. Yeah. Thank you. What did you think? Um, yeah, good, good one by the um, football firms um, last night. Um, great goal by um, Walkinson. Yeah, it was um, a yeah, pretty good game. Um, yeah, I was really expecting the result. But, um, yeah, uh, good to see the girls get a win. Just the um, first win for a men's or a women's football team from New Zealand. So that's pretty cool. Um, 
and yeah, obviously Philippines and um, the Philippines and maybe Switzerland mostly out of the group. Uh, but I'm not sure if we'd be able to interview at the call. Um, of course, we interview. I'm not sure. Uh, Zaid, like every second time you call us, I think you call us from your lounge one day and your bedroom the next day because one of them has great reception. This one's got terrible reception. Terrible reception. In fact, it's completely gone now. It's completely gone. So what we'll do, we'll take a break. On the other side of this break, we're going to play you the highlights of last night, and I'll get Casey in. She was at the game last night. I'll get her in for a first-hand report of what it was like being there. Stick around. Straight after this, the highlights of that historical, historical Football Ferns first ever win at a FIFA Women's World Cup. We'll revisit it after this. Mightiest colour of them all. It's the black with a silver fern. They will kick off running from left to right. Sinley had a player over. New Zealand right wing side. Ball's played into hand. Hand goes fast forward. Great pace. Ball in. And a Wilkinson's there. She scores. New Zealand are on top. Hannah Wilkinson. It had to be Hannah. It of course had to be Hannah Wilkinson. She's done it again. Third time she's scored in a World Cup. And New Zealand two and a half minutes into the second half. Scarcely believable stuff. It's New Zealand one, Norway nil. Norway, lovely into change of passing. Shot hits the crossbar. Oh, that would have been spectacular by the substitute. For Risa. Penalty for New Zealand. Didn't see that coming. Yamashita has announced it to the crowd. And New Zealanders up and down the land all over the world rejoice. Few extra seconds of agony. She waits. Right foot approaches the ball. She's hit the post and it's away. Hit the apex of the goal, I'm sure. She went top bins. It was so close to being exactly that. Over the byline. And it's all over. New Zealand are winners at a FIFA Women's World Cup for the very first time. Would you believe it? The feet of the 95 World Champions, Norway. One goal to nil. Can you believe it? Can Casey Berry believe it? Uh, we had you in the studio yesterday, Casey. Uh, that's better than anyone could even imagine. And you've been just joyous in the reaction for the people around here. Uh, it's uh, speechless almost. It's been it, last night was so much fun. Um, I'm not the only one who I've heard say I was so happy to be wrong. Um, I think we were looking, f- we were hoping maybe for a draw, but a win I don't think was in anybody's cards except for probably those 11 on the field last night. And credit to them, it was unbelievable. We were talking in the build up to the World Cup, Casey, about um, you know if they can get a goal in the World Cup, you know if we can snag a draw or two and find a way into the 16. We've just beaten the top ranked team in our group, and like. You've been in football your whole life. I haven't, and I still can't believe it. Um, take us into the stands, and, and you've been. You went to the World Cup when it was in Canada when your US team won it. Is there is there a synergy between what you witnessed then and you thinking about the people that are witnessing what they saw last night? It's not the World Cup win, I know, mm. but for New <clears> Zealand <throat> football, it, it, it feels like it. Yeah, I was. I said this morning that. I'm just so happy for those girls in that country to have 
witnessed a moment like that and to have experienced that. Being from the U.S., I've been lucky enough to grow up with a handful of those moments over a lifetime and know how genuinely life-changing they can be. And that's why the U.S. is so football-crazed and there is such a following around this women's team. And now New Zealand's had that first moment. And there are so many people that were in those stands last night or even just watching from home who will have been inspired by those girls and will hopefully, you know, try to excel to be on that field one day as well. And, yeah, you just can't put into words how impactful last night would have been for people around the world. So walking down Malta Street or Sandringham Road or wherever it is, walking towards the stadium, um, how are you feeling and what was the feeling you got from the people around you as you were taking your seats? Excitement, definitely excitement, but <laughs> nerves. I was so nervous for those girls and the people, the group that I was with were also, you could just feel the enormity of the occasion and you wanted them to do well. Like the place was packed. They deserved to have those people cheer for them. And I sat down and I said, I hope they can at least score a goal tonight because they deserve to to feel that like love and embrace from the country. And not only did they score, they got the win. And yeah, New Zealand is funny. We've talked about it before, how they are at, at games, but it, be- it built over throughout. Like in the beginning, it was a little bit quiet and everybody was just kind of feel it out and see how the game was going to go. And our... Um, part of the stands, there were a few people starting cheers, and I was like, all right, all right, here we go, here we go. And then as the game progressed, everybody was so much more into it, and you could just feel, like, the belief kind of take over. Um, and, yeah, it was it was such a special night. Yeah, it was fun. I was going to message you during the game, knowing <laughs> you were at the game, and it was nil all, but mm. I was watching it, and I was just going, we're in this. We're, yeah. <laughs> we're in this. We might sneak a draw. We might even sneak a goal here because – this is a really, really good team, Norway. And this New Zealand team, I mean, for me, it's the best, f- my ever, best my ever that I've seen uh, the New Zealand women's team play by by some stretch. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I've been in the country five years and I would say the same for myself. Um, and they didn't just get a flute goal and sit in and just defend for their lives. They were the better team last night. Like, they deserved that win and made Norway look not great for a team with a handful of superstars playing on some of the top clubs in the world. They have arguably one of the best strikers in the world. Um, yeah, they made them just look silly almost. <laughs> the, I was online before looking at the Norwegian papers. They are mm. absolutely reaming them because, yeah. as you say, they have got superstars. They've got mm. bona fide superstars of yeah. the game, and we dulled them. How did we do it? Uh, it was just a f- complete team effort. Um, they were ev- New Zealand was everywhere. Um, anytime you felt Norway maybe starting to get a little bit of momentum, New Zealand squashed it straight away. They just never let them get into the game. You saw at times Norway is the most dangerous when they were dribbling at us, but we just didn't let them do that so much, and we pretty much just dulled any sort of attack that they ever had. And it was just the heart and the belief that I think some people may have felt in like the years prior leading up to this was... I mean, that was on full display last night. A friend of mine texted me this morning and said, oh, my God, I just saw the football result. And he asked me a question I couldn't answer. He said, who were our standout players? And I was like, um, like I really liked uh, Riley. But I was just like, actually, all of them. And n- no one stood out. And they were all bloody good. 
Is it, it was weird. Yeah, I, like I said, it was a complete team effort, and that's what they, they needed, and they rose to that occasion. I was, like I said, I sat down, I was nervous just because of the, yeah, the moment, but they seemed unfazed. They didn't seem to be bothered that there was 42,000 people there watching them, the biggest game of their lives. Um, they just were out for another game of football and just absolutely put their hearts on the line, and yeah, they got the well-deserved victory. I'm going to go through the text messages we've had with you in here, Casey. We can both react to them. Let's do it. Key takeaways versus Norway, 1-0 win. Emotional control of the occasion with Mm. passion and determination. Quality technical football. Central defenders building up our play. Mm. Centre mids, tempo control. Um, Malia bossed it. Strikers running in behind and fantastic hold-up play. Overall, a magnificent quality team performance. That's from Bessem in Wellington. Yeah, I mean, nailed it, 100%. Like, the emotional control is, yeah, they must have done some training there because it was extremely impressive. Malia Steinmetz, 100%. She's the one whose top I was wearing yesterday. I would love to see the stats on her. I would have said 98 completion rate as far as passing goes. She was flawless. I interviewed her last week asking, like, how the nerves were. We were five days out from last night, and she was like, oh, no, you know, just we're ready. We have so many people backing us, and she's as chill as can be on on the good a good day. But, um, yeah, I mean, she just literally didn't make a mistake and just controlled that midfield, brought a sense of calm to everybody, I think, and yeah, yeah, big props to Malia, actually. Another one here says, Hi, Staffy, I'm a dyed-in-the-wool rugby and league fan. Soccer never gets a look in in my world. But we watched the girls last night, and we are now fully on the bandwagon. And I think there's a lot of people like that. Uh, g'day, Stefano. I feel like I've been duped into thinking <laughs> that New Zealand was rubbish at women's soccer, judging by their poor performances. Not in a month of Sundays did I believe they could play the way they did. I turned over from the golf just in time to see all four or five passes to that goal. It was magnificent. Happy days from Brian. Another one. Across the board, awesome team's performance, led by yet another awesome Wahini Toa who is talented, articulate, uh, personable, unsung legend of the game, Ali Riley, who never stops and whose sheer joy at the win was obvious. Her tears at the start and end of, at the end of it said it all. Massive day. Yeah, it was so, so emotional. Even not being a Kiwi, I was emotional myself. So mm. uh, Let's keep going. Um, <laughs> you would laugh. I got a text right on the full-time whistle last night, football, from a golf mate saying, how good was that tee shot? <laughs> I think Smith can go back and go back to back and realised a quick switch over to the game had me watching till the finish of the football instead of the golf. Well done, New Zealand. Cheers, Chris. Uh, Jeff says, Casey, have we got time? We've got one minute. Casey, question for you. How many Champions League games did you play? <laughs> and did you ever play Gosh. for the f- football ferns? Um, I did not play for the football friends. I don't have New Zealand citizenship. Um, yet? Well, not yet, but it's a little bit too late for that, I think. Um, I played in one, two, three, four, five Champions League matches, I think. Yeah. Um, but that's, we don't need to talk about me today. There's much more important things. Well, they, they, well, they like to no, know no, I mean, I appreciate that. Um, but, uh, I mean, Steph, I think it's just crazy. They're about to, they could go to Wellington to play the Philippines. They beat the Philippines. They're through to the round of 16 without even... Getting to the third match, they could top the group. I mean, we went from, are they getting out of the group, to maybe they could top it. <laughs> sold out Wellington, sold out Dunedin. There's a few tickets left. Go and get some. We've only got 10 seconds. Casey, um, I've enjoyed your joy. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for joining us. We'll come back in a moment.
Just had a couple of texts for Casey. She's not in the studio anymore, so I just ran out and asked her. Someone, unnamed texter, asking, are the USA as good as the last World Cups? She says, yes, they're as good as ever, but the gap has closed, so the chasing pack are getting better. And one from Zaid saying, what does she think about Tr- Trinity Rodman, Dennis Rodman's daughter? Uh, almost word for word, she doesn't have much of a relationship with Dennis, um, brought up by her mother, but she said she is an absolute freak of a player. Really, really, really good. So there you go, uh, Trinity Rodman. Looking forward to seeing her too. Very good college player, very good professional player. So keep your eyes on that. Straight after the news, and I mean straight after the news, we're going to catch up with Casey Frank on the NBL playoffs, which we're deep into a couple of games last night, uh, semi tonight and tomorrow. And then after that, Julian Dean on the Tour de France. Big, big show still to come. Getting you through your workday one hour at a time. This is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Playing finals, quarterfinals, whatever they were, they were two great games. Uh, joining us now, co-host of Hoopheads here on SENZ and on Sky as well, basketball aficionado. I'm going to call him Casey Frank. Case, oh, big night last night. It was a big night. Uh, the prelim finals is the official title and uh, two really impressive games of basketball for uh, vastly different reasons. I think... Uh, you know, I think the one we're going to get to in a second, there's a lot more to chat about, but the Bulls played a fantastic game overall and really showed some great offense overpowering the Wellington Saints, and they're looking like a real threat uh, against the Tuatara tonight. But uh, the ending of that Hawks-Rams game, I, I think that that's uh, something that's going to be talked about for a while, and it's certainly been all over uh, social media pages for the uh, NBL as well as uh, a lot of fans too. Okay, let's rip into it then. Let's rip into it. Was it goaltending last night? In fact, for the people that didn't watch because they were involved in all the, all the other things that are on offer on our TVs and on our radios, the Rams, when you look at it, 103, Hawks 95, went into extra time, you tend to feel, oh yeah, it was close, and then the Rams walked away in extra time. Can you paint us a Reader's Digest version of what happened at the end of that game? Well, it was a really impressive fourth quarter where the Hawks scored the, seven, the 17 of the first 19 points and worked all the way back from, uh, behind on that last play of the game, all tied up. Uh, this ball goes up, and it's in the rim, and unfortunately, uh, Walter Brown from the Rams came up, got a hand in. It's not technically goaltending. I guess the technical term, if, if it was uh, called, would be basket interference. It wasn't called on the court uh, at the time. Uh, none of the officials thought that it was basket interference so the call wasn't made so we went into overtime but on replay it was pretty apparent that that was a, a missed call that at the end of it cost the Hawks from walking away with a victory. So tell us about what the rules and when technology can be used. Um, do the Hawks have a case for being pissed off? Um, were procedures followed by the book? Look, I feel absolutely sick for, for, for the Hawks, you know, to have a, a game go that way and to get punched in the gut like that and try and continue playing. That's very difficult. Uh, I also feel absolutely sick for the officials because uh, it, it, w- it was a missed call. It wasn't called on. But in terms of technology, the way the rule book does and on air, we were uh, a little bit confused on this because the, the notes that we had on it didn't specify exactly. But unless goaltending is called on the court, 
the replay system cannot be used to review goaltending. So meaning, if you think it's goaltending at the end of the game, you can't just say, hey, can you check out that thing that wasn't called? It has to be whistled on the court. When it wasn't whistled on the court, they were unable. So the rules prohibited the officiating crew from going to replay at that point, which is an unfortunate twist in the rules, probably something that we'll be looking at as a a league uh, in the next year to rectify. Sometimes you see these things, rules change. But for the moment, that's what happened. Do the Hawks have a, a case to be upset and pissed off? Absolutely. Uh, do they have a case that could possibly lead to an overturn in a protest? I don't believe so because it's a missed call in the court and that uh, those kinds of judgment calls, to my knowledge, to my understanding of the rules, are not reviewable or protestable. And, of course, the Rams play again on Saturday. What does a get-out-of-jail do for a team? Will they feel lucky? Will they feel deserved because they've got a big game coming up in a couple of days? Uh, you, you know, uh, you take a win anyway, you can get it. <laughs> and the Hawks, they'll be thinking about this one for a long time. The Rams, they will not. They were on to the next one, and there is nothing. I get a jail free card is an excellent way, way to put it. You know, you get a little second life. <laughs> You've got nothing to lose now. We, we basically, we, we stepped on it. We nearly did. But the, the basketball gods, they reached in. They gave us an, another opportunity to go out and play. So you can play with a lot of freedom. Uh you know, you know, it, you never really want to win that way, but you want to win anyway when it comes down to it. So they're going to keep moving on, and I think they'll be. It'll be much easier for them to put behind them uh, and use it maybe as fodder, maybe as a, you know our chance to roll the dice moving forward and trying to move move on towards the finals. Bulls and Saints, uh, Bulls, one hundred and twenty four. I don't know if that's a season high for them, but geez, I'd imagine it'd go close. Yeah, from from uh, when I was looking at through the games of the season earlier, it was uh, the, the season high that I could see. Uh, a fantastic performance for them to come out and really put on uh, an offensive display that we haven't seen. I mean, they just barely cracked 100 a few times. You know, I think 103 was their previous high on the year. So to come out and halfway through that second quarter, it really looked like the Saints were going to sort of run away with the game. They were really putting some pressure on the Bulls offensively. And then just uh, Jared Wilson framed fantastic shooting from deep. Uh, overall, the Bulls were able to hit 15 threes, and the return of Tyrell Harrison was uh, instrumental inside. And his uh, minutes, he was really dominant uh, around the interior using his size and mass. And, uh, Dan Foto, who I think was pretty unlucky not to make the All Star Five, had another stellar game. They're just looking like a, an extremely strong team. Be the Saints team that was playing with a lot of confidence and looked really good coming in. Had about a half a basketball like that, but they just could not stand up to the depth and strength of the overall unit of the Franklin Bulls. So the Bulls, on the back of that 124, they get 24 hours to prep for the top team in the league uh, in the regular season. Anyway, the Tuatara, they got the coach of the year. They got the most improved player of the year. Uh, they got Jared Weeks, who made the All-Star 5. They are going to be so, so tough. And do we call this a local derby, Franklin, Auckland? Yeah, you know, the, the north side against the south side. <laughs> Once upon a time would have been the Battle of the Bridge, but I think uh, the Tuatara claimed a little bit more of the central city themselves. But, yeah, it's going to be a really interesting game. You know, these teams uh, split during the regular season. Uh, in that first game, the, the Tuatara were up 24 points in that third quarter, and the Bulls stormed from behind to stake that victory. In the second game, Bulls on the as back, second end of a back-to-back, a true back-to-back. Uh, and they're only big because Harrison wasn't playing. Uh, went out really early in that one. That's Don Camaposa with injuries, so they had no one to contain Rob Lowe, who just ran rampant with his size and to a, a eventual around a 15-point victory. But both those games, no Tyrell Harrison. So this is going to be essentially the first time this, this team has really met. The Bulls are going to be a little bit fatigued, but the Tuatara, 
I, I think they're going to be hard pressed to defeat a team that's well drilled and I think well suited to matching up against them in a lot of areas. Just wondering, like you've played basketball for a long time, the effect on the mind and the body to play back to back. You know, it, it really depends on, on a lot of factors. Uh, if you've done the work, it's pretty easy. <laughs> you know, you've got you've done an entire season to get yourself in shape. You understand that at some point you're going to have to do this. When you play those big minutes, you're going to wake up. You're going to be really sore. Uh, you know, you're just going to have to work out that body, get yourself mentally ready to go. I think mentality-wise, it's a little bit easier at this point in the season because you know there's you're right at the end of the tunnel you can get it it's not the same as like maybe uh early season one when you're losing this is for all the marbles you can certainly get up mentally physically the older you get always a little bit harder <laughs> a lot of fresh legs on that bulls team and i think they did a good job of rotating guys in and out so so i i think they have a, a good chance of you know on the whole not being too affected by it but but it, it is a difficult task as always to, to back up for 24 hours to get yourself back on that razor's edge, both men- mentally and physically. And do you think that's something that the Tuatara might look at, um, play a bit more of a run-and-gun game to try and get them fatigued early and, and then maybe dominate the, uh, the fourth quarter? W- would that be a tactic? Yeah, you know, you always want to test out the legs of the opposition. Uh, it's uh, a thing that sort of will work through 40 minutes because – I don't think you're going to come out and you're going to blow the bulls off the court, but if you keep up that pace for 40 minutes, over time you're looking for that strategic advantage, just a little bit extra in the tank. But there's a flip side to that coin, and that flip side is the bulls came out and they're battle-tested right now. You know, the, the Tuatara have only played two games in the last few weeks. The bulls have had a, a lot more activity. They're going to come out, they're going to be sharp, and they're going to be able to just come off. With the second they get let off that chain, they're going to be barking mad. So the, the Tuatara are going to have to find a way to match that without having sort of the, that battle-testedness of, of late. And then uh, Saturday night, 7 o'clock, Nuggets and Rams, I'm guessing the marketeers will be saying Webster versus Webster, had never played each other till a couple of weeks ago. Now they're going to do it for the second time. And I can tell you, Casey, we've had Ty Webster on the show the last three Tuesdays, and he's promised me, he for, for us and for our listeners, he's going to do braids or cornrows for this game. <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, uh, you know, the hair has a lot to do with the game. Uh, look good, feel good, play good. Uh, <laughs> You know, T. Webb, he's, got, he's always out there having a good time, and I am excited to, to see the Webster versus Webster battle. Uh, Corey, Corey Webster was instrumental in the Rams' comeback in that fourth quarter when the offense looked all but lost. He really reached down back deep into the pocket and showed off his ability to score. And, you know, he's just got this is such a such a quick trigger when it matters most, a chance to get that shot off. And it looks like he's recovered from a, an injury he's been playing with this year. And Ty Webster, uh, this team hasn't been the same since they brought him back in, you know, replacing Ja'Cory McLaughlin essentially because he's, uh, I believe, still out with injury and picking up right where that guy would have picked off. Would have been in there for the All-Star 5 and Kiwi Guard of the Year had either of those guys played a little bit more time, I think. You know, just the short seasons kept them out of that. But, but uh, it's going to be really interesting. Uh, those two teams split. They played only a few weeks ago and one week in between the games, back-to-back games. And the, the Rams, they won the game when... Troy Baxter Jr. scored 25. They lost the game when he scored five points. But the difference in the two, really for me, was the Nuggets lost the game where they didn't have Ty Webster. They brought him in the next week. I believe it was his first game against the Rams, and they win that one. So uh, that, that may be leaning to where this one goes, but it is going to be a really good matchup between two teams who uh, 
have depth, have quality of athleticism, and have great scoring ability. Yeah, depth. Like we always talk about starting fives and how they match up, but getting to the the pointy end of the season, it, it's your six, seven, eight, nine player. Who's got the advantage? Do you think on the bench? Well, you know, I do like what the the Nuggets have done with the bench this season, developing. Matt Bardsley, the wrestling, uh, Jack Andrew and Robbie Comey coming off. That, that's a great job of local development to get those guys up. But when you look at the Rams, I mean, they're bringing Troy Baxter Jr. in off the bench. They're bringing in Galen Smith, uh, two imports, and then Corey Webster, who's the equal of any imports. And to bring in that kind of firepower, you know, four, five, six minutes into the game when the defense might be a little bit fatigued and they're a little bit more uh, apt to giving up some uh, easy looks, <laughs> that, that can be a really dangerous combo. And those guys have come off. Uh, along with Quinn Clinton, who, who's given him valuable minutes and really lifted that squad at times. 6 p.m. Sunday, the grand final. Um, who's in it? Uh, you know, I've been leaning the Otago Nuggets uh, over the Rams in that one. I, I just think uh, the way Todd Weathers has been playing this year, the way Ty Webster and Michael Harris uh, as a combo, I, I think uh, I'm leaning that way. And tonight, man, this is a, a tough matchup for me. You know, I, coming in, I probably would have said the Tuatara, but having seen the Bulls play last night, uh, I'm, I'm changing my pick that I just wrote uh, like two days ago, and I think the Bulls are going to come away with it. <laughs> Fantastic, Casey. And I know you're entrenched in the basketball, but we're very much celebrating our football ferns. First time they've ever won a game at a FIFA World Cup. Biggest football crowd, either gender in New Zealand ever. What a great moment for New Zealand sport, eh? A fantastic moment, you know, and uh, it's really about that next generation of football fan and football player who, who got to watch uh, this happen. You know, uh, my, my daughter went to school today talking about it with her friends. I'm sure she's six years old, and it's just great to see them get inspired. But, uh, you know, not just New Zealand, around the world. I had family in the States texting me and saying, hey, we're watching you guys open the World Cup. This is great. And so it's a moment watched by the world. An opener is always a great thing, and to get that victory as well. What a moment and one that the players, the fans, and I, I think all, all fans, not just at the stadium, but all across the country will never forget. Brilliant. Casey Frank, uh, love your enthusiasm, and I love having you part of the SENZ family, mate. Go well, my man. Enjoy this weekend. Uh, thanks very much. I got to enjoy it. a lot of hoops to come. Your annoying workmate. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Well, if there's not enough sport on at the moment, uh, keeping me awake at nights and early mornings is the Tour de France, and uh, we've been catching up with them a few times during the Tour, New Zealand's best ever Grand Tour rider. Seven years he rode in the Tour de France, and Julian Dean's kindly pulled over on the side of the road to have a chat to us. Welcome in, Jules. Um, I didn't think I'd be seeing what I saw in recent times. Um, Jonas Vingegaard has absolutely broken Tari Pogaccia. Yeah, it's been, uh, you know, just an exciting uh, two weeks. We've been, you know, on the edge of our seat, seeing what's happening. And they've been toe-to-toe and, and neck-to-neck until um, that time trial on uh, on Monday or Tuesday morning there, um, where he, you know, Put a big ding in Podcar's armour, and then the staged coach of our stage 17, he really sealed the deal there in what was an extraordinary performance from Jonas Vindergaard. 
Yeah, and it was fascinating. We get to hear the team radios and Pogaccia saying back to his team manager, I'm dead, I'm cooked, done. Yeah, really, really interesting. It certainly added an interesting new component uh, to, to the Tour de France, listening to those radios. And, uh, you know, I think we've seen, um, you know, it's been an interesting tour. Those those two front runners have, have kept us on the edge of our chair um, till that, those last couple of days. But, you know, we talked a little bit, I think, early on this Tour de France. You might have mentioned, staff about some of the um, preparation difficulties that podcast had coming in with that, that broken wrist he had from the age back on the age, uh, missing a little bit of training leading up, those sorts of things. And I think it's just a reflection. You know, you've got to have everything on point, everything in place to be able to win the Tour de France. I thought sort of starting the second week, middle of the second week, I thought Pogaccia had Vingegaard's number. And Vingegaard came out publicly and said, third week, that's when I shine. Let me get to the third week. He backed up his he backed up his claim. And you mentioned that time trial. Everyone was thinking along with me, I thought Walt Van Aert was going to win that. Um, but Pogaccia smashed his time and then Vingegaard smashed his time, which showed how far ahead these two are. Yeah, they, uh, you know, they, they're really head and shoulders above the rest of the, uh, the riders in that, um, in those GC contenders, uh, at this Tour de France. Um, I think we have to take into account, you know, we are missing a couple of stalwarts in there and, and Richard Carapaz, who's, who's a previous Giro winner who we lost in that first week. Uh, Enric Mas as well, we lost in that first week. So potentially there's a couple of guys, uh, missing in the middle there, but, you know, these guys have shown themselves, um, you know, to be head and shoulders above everyone else. And, you know, we're really seeing the dominance of, of these super teams, particularly in this Tour de France more than ever, in Jumbo, Visma, um, Ineos, and, and the UAE team. I'm all, I always really like, in basketball, I, I, I like the sixth man, you know, the ones that really support. And in the past, I've really admired um, riders like Richie Port, Walt Van Aert, as mentioned. But Seb Kuss, what a machine he is and so vital for his team. Yeah, now these are, you know, these are extraordinary athletes and they're, uh, to me, and I'm, I'm like you, Steph, they're extraordinary people as well, you know, I think, you know, we've seen that Sepp Kuss is, is probably perfectly capable of um, of finishing on the podium in the Tour de France, uh, but definitely the top, top four or five, but chooses to, uh, you know, commit all um, his energy and, and resources to his team leader and Jonas Syndergaard there. Um, and I think the awesome thing in cycling is, you know, we, we see this across the board. You know, we saw it in those early sprints with Philipson um, and Matthew van der Poel uh, leading him out. Uh, we see it in the GC battles. And it just really, um, you know, cycling is an extraordinary sport. And you see that, you know, in these, in these um, big stages and these bigger events like the Tour de France, you know, it takes a team of, of, of the highest level athletes that are all capable of winning themselves to be able to commit to that um, one individual to secure those victories. Yeah, and the incredible thing for me, Jules, is uh, 96% of the riders lining up on day one pretty much aren't allowed to win it or, or just won't win it, but they're prepared to absolutely break themselves for their team leader. To me, to me it really encapsulates how much of a team sport cycling is. Yeah, I, I reckon it's, you know, you know, when you're in those teams, and you you know you're you're part of being able to achieve that, and you know you've been working at this for for over a year, if not a couple of years, and the planning and, and the preparation and all that's coming together, and you know that level of, of commitment and and dedication that you feel, 
not only um, to your other teammates um, that are on the road, but you know to the, to the whole staff. You can imagine, you know, that most of those teams there at the Tour de France are, are got between twenty-five and, and thirty people on the ground making things happen from mechanics to doctors to nutritionists and the sewers. Um, and it's just, you know, everyone's putting in a lot of work and everyone's, um, you know, a lot of planning and preparation and, and, you know, you don't, you don't want to let anyone down from whether it's the bus driver, um, to the GC rider. We've mentioned the Kiwi riders. Um, I thought last night a massive result for Corbin Strong, giving these only three three days of the tour. His first Grand Tour, thirteenth across the line for such a young man. What what a future he's got! Yeah, he's going to be a, a really interesting rider. You know, one of the great things I think about Corbin Strong is um, you know he's got a range of skills, so he's pretty handy in a bunch sprint, as we've seen. Uh, and events like Commonwealth Games and him shining in that, in that bunch finish yesterday. Uh, but he's also uh, got some good good climbing capabilities. You know, in Sura Southland, I think we've seen him win on Bluff Hill, those sorts of things. So I think in the future, you know, his um, his pedigree or, or the, where we're going to see him shine is some of those reduced bunch sprints. Um, but, yeah, good start for him. And I'm sure that, you know, he's one of the things that when you Grand Tour, your first Tour of France, you come away from that, um, you know, with some, you know, extra extra base, extra foundation, and he's going to grow a level uh, mentally and physically as an athlete coming out of this Tour de France. Three stages left. Uh, well, two and a half, really, because the, the last stage is, I don't know what they call that, a ceremonial stage. Not since Greg LeMond have we seen a lead, lead change. I think I'm right in saying that. A hilly stage tonight, then a mountain stage, second to last stage. Is this all about teams... <laughs> Trying to get their their first stage win, um, get get it, get someone on the podium. Um, is it all guns blazing for those other teams now? Yeah, I think uh, you know there's still a lot of teams in this race that uh, you know that, that haven't won stages. You know we've we've seen um, Ineos with a couple of stages, um, even Jumbo Visma have only won stage. So there's a lot of teams that you know are coming away from the Tour de France if they don't win this next couple of days pretty much uh, empty-handed so they'll be throwing everything at it um, you know we've got that, that mountain stage up by Strasbourg on uh, the second to last day uh, uh, that's going to be interesting we're going to see some more fireworks there I think the, the first and second um, for the Tour de France is, is pretty well wrapped up but there'll definitely be some battles there for that last spot uh, on the podium and as we said the, the stage wins um, are also um, uh, a key thing that people are going for and we still have a bit of a battle on I think for the KOM jersey as well so you know the Tour de France is great because there's always something to race for um, the GC, the yellow jersey looks like it can be signed, sealed and delivered but there's still lots going on and finally, Jules, um, we really appreciate your input for this whole Tour de France. Um, you even messaged me how much you're enjoying the football last night. The football ferns, having represented New Zealand yourself, mainly overseas, how cool for you was it to see the football were ferns? I don't think I'm backward in saying that they created history last night. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it, it really warms the cockles of your heart. You know, a lot of those girls that are abroad internationally playing and um, you know, they don't probably get a, a lot of opportunity to get out of their, their contracts overseas and come back and particularly represent the football firms in New Zealand, opening game of the World Cup. And, you know, they've come from a difficult place. And uh, it was uh, great to see them yesterday from that first minute really come out firing 
and you can see uh, immediately they out there they're, they're meaning business so we've all got to take our hats off of them I love seeing those performances like that Brilliant Jules um, we'll let you enjoy the last three stages we'll catch up soon Alright Cheers mate Water Management Partner Periods of rain with some heavy falls across Auckland clearing this evening with breezy to brisk southeasterlies. Catch live commentary of the FIFA Women's World Cup, the One New Zealand Warriors and the Ashes all tonight on SENZ or the SENZ app. Yeah. Hey. My mama calls, see you on TV, sunset done change ever since we was on, I dreamed it all. Ever since I was young, they said I won't be nothing. Now they always say congratulations. Worked so hard, forgot how to vacation. They ain't never had the dedication. People hating, say we changing, look, we made it. Yeah, we made it. They was never friendly, yeah. Now I'm jumping out of Bentley, yeah. And I know I sound dramatic. Yeah, but I know I had to have it, yeah For the money, I'm a savage, yeah I be itching like I had it, yeah I'm surrounded 20 bad, yeah But they didn't know me last year, yeah Everyone wanna act like they important Righto Great to hear from the great men Casey Frank and Julian Dean If you've just joined us, uh We've had a spectacular first half of the show, actually. Ava Collins out of the Football Ferns camp joined us just after 12. If you missed that, you can go back and just listen to the joy and how they enjoyed that victory last night with the dance party in the dressing rooms afterwards, which I absolutely love. Um, Just massive credit and kudos to all those Football Ferns. And boy, how much anticipation now around New Zealand as they get ready. Uh, It's the Philippines, isn't it, on Tuesday in Wellington. Uh, Just, just awesome. Just awesome. Uh, I'm going to give you TAB odds update now. Remember, tab.co.nz, or you can download the app if you feel that persuaded, and you should feel that way persuaded. Um, British Open odds are back up, open, uh, are back up and, and available. So the leaderboard at the moment has the South African Lamprecht, uh, Lamprecht. He's an amateur. He's at five under, tied with two others, Emilio um, Grillo and Tommy Fleetwood. So I'd expect the amateur, as good as it was, I'd expect him to drift. Um, in fact, I don't even see him anywhere on the paying $50 or less. No, I can't find him. Um, but Tommy Fleetwood tied for the lead. He's now the outright favourite at $6.50, which is still a handy price. Sorry, yes, still a handy price. Six fifty, tied for the lead. Um Grillo is 26, tied for the lead. So then we go looking, so bear in mind, five under is the leader. Um, Wyndham Clark, he's the US US Open, PGA, US Open winner. He's sitting there on three under, and so he's performed in majors before. He's at 17. Uh, Max Homer, a lot of people, big fan of Maxi. He's at 19. He's also three under. Uh, Jordan Spieth's at two under. He's paying 17. Where's um, second favourite Scotty Scheffler at the moment? He's one under alongside Brooks Kepka, who's at 17. So Scheffler at seven and Kepka 17, and they're on the same score. Romain Langaske. Remember I tipped him out yesterday? Well, I didn't. I, I have to take that back. Ferg. Ferg bet from the UK. He tipped him out. And he went along and followed him around the course the whole round and took Seth was taking photos of him and sending them uh, sending them to me. He had a very good round. He's one under, tied 19th. 
Um, he's still playing heaps to win. I'm not saying he would win, but remember that little one we took, which was the top, um, the top, what was it, continental, continental player excluding Great Britain and Ireland, and they haven't reopened that market. Bugger. Because oh, we got them at 31s. And when I talked to Paul Mawadi from the TAB yesterday, he said that was the one in that market that had the biggest liability. So I think a few of you got on that as well, which is great stuff. It's great stuff. Um, so that's that. Uh, the other thing I was going to do, uh, Women's World Cup, of course. Uh, New Zealand's next game, if I can try and find that one for us. Zooming through, they are all here. They've got an actually specially designed Football World Cup hub, which is a great idea. Actually, maybe the New Zealand one's not up yet because they're going, they're probably waiting for the other ones in their group to play because I just can't see it. France, Jamaica, Denmark, China, England. Can't see it. I might be wrong though. I might be wrong. Oh, here we go. Group A. No, it is there. Apologies. It is there. New Zealand, $1.17. Wow. Football Ferns, $1.17. Red hot favourite at a FIFA Women's World Cup. I love that. The draw's $5.50. Philippines, $13. Um, they haven't got the goal scorers up yet because team hasn't been named. Um, but we're in this. We're in this. It's just fantastic. Um, so that's that one uh, coming up. Coming up is, um, gosh, I'm so slow on the mouse today, folks. Not much sleep last night. Uh, in 52 minutes' time. In 52 minutes' time, Nigeria are playing Canada. Uh, Nigeria, $8. Canada, $1.33. Um, so that's in under an hour. That one kicks off. And then later on today, we've got the Philippines against Switzerland. We will have a little bow peep at that because they're the other two teams in, in our draw. Uh, Switzerland, $1.10. Philippines, $10. So there we go. That's the rest of our group. So all of that and more. Look, there's the FIFA Women's World Cup. There's the NRL. Oh, I better tell you what the Warriors are up to tonight because a massive game for them. Uh, this is the highest ranked team left in the regular season for the Warriors. A real statement game, I'm hoping, tonight. Warriors 141, Canberra 280. It's going to be very, very soft underfoot. And everyone's telling me that we've lost those two games in the rain. Remember the Cronulla game when we came back from 24-ish down? That was in horrific weather as well. <sighs> Can they get... Oh, this would be massive. This is... Win this tonight, you're definitely top eight. Win this tonight and you're possibly top four with the run home that we've got. Um, so that game kicks off at 8 o'clock tonight. Finn, you're working on that. What time's the build-up start, do you know? Because you're in the booth here for the Warriors. Oh, you're not on the Warriors. Okay, he's not on the Warriors. I'd imagine it's going to be 7 o'clock at least. At least. Run home, maybe even 6 o'clock. 6 or 7. But Warriors play-by-play. Tony Kemp, Sam Hewitt. You want enthusiastic sport commentators? You get them here at SENZ. You heard Dan McCarty's call of the football last night. Just incredible. And Sam and Kempe, they're the same. They high-five their way through the match. It's absolutely brilliant. So that commentary is tonight. Um, Kick-off at 8 o'clock. And after that, South Sydney Rabbitohs take on the Broncos. And that is 187 and 187. 
cannot split. It's a coin flip. Right, that's your TRB update. TRB.co.nz or download the app. All the promotions, the same game claims, the same game multis, the bonus backs, the early payouts, all of those details are there. And I've told you before, go to go to the Punter's Lounge. So if I just click the Punter's Lounge now, it's where all the promotions are, um, booster odds, um, tips, the shark, he's a horse tipster, he's on there for Addington tonight. It's all there for you. TAB.co.nz or do yourself a little favour, download there. Make sure you're 18 though. You've got to be 18. You've got to do it responsibly. Right, we'll take a break. Fimbasimo, the litmus test. What's he got for us and what's making news after this? Ladies and gentlemen, I've, I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. What's making news around the world? Yes, and as you know, Finn Basimo, this is Sammy Hewitt's baby. He's just texted me and said he's listening. Oh, is he actually? Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, he's on his way to Mount Smart. Oh. Go media, Mount Smart. There's a lot more pressure on now, isn't there? There is. Wow. Before I get into this stuff, I just want to say it's a pleasure to be working with you today. Is it? Yeah, you it really is. Show. Do you I love enjoy it. I really do enjoy this show, Staff, and I'm just really trying to be nice to you so you don't think my stories are bad or anything. So uh, Okay, we'll about to find out. Yeah, okay. I've um, just had a courier thing oh, dropped off to me. Is Help. there a package? There's a package. wonder what it is. Maybe we should open it during what's making news. Ooh, potentially. All right, we'll start off with the, the first story on my little piece of paper I have here. I've asked you before this, Staff, are you more of a chocolate or like lolly kind of guy? Or neither. Lolly. Lollies. Chewy well, lollies. Well, I'll tell you what. Joby Poole from Shropshire. Shropshire. Yeah. He loves chocolate. Mm-hmm. He's stolen 200,000 Cadbury cream eggs. <laughs> 200,000 cream eggs. I can't believe it. 31,000 pounds worth of chocolate. Gee, where did he put it all? He stole a tractor lorry cab with a trailer. And he broke in and stole 200,000 cream eggs. Well, I actually don't like cream eggs. Do you not? No, they're too sickly. Oh, my God. I am a I am a sucker for cream eggs. Really? They are deli- yes. They're so sweet. No, they are st- I have a sweet tooth, though, so this probably makes a lot of sense. Well, if you I keep eating them, eggs. you'll have no tooth. Oh, maybe I should keep eating them. Yeah. So Paul's defence attorney, Deborah White, argued the 32-year-old had a series of difficult things he was dealing with at the time he committed the offence. And that was his excuse to try get out of his punishment. And he's uh, he's facing 18 months for stealing 200,000 Cadbury cream eggs. My God. What, what a bit of a plonker, right? Like, yeah. 200... Ridiculous. Too okay. many. Second story we got, woman with toilet paper eating addiction says she consumes up to four rolls a day. Bit, bit interesting. Now, can I say? Yes. Not not to that volume, nowhere near that volume. I eat paper. You eat paper? I quite often rip the... So, look, these tissues on the book. So I'll mm-hmm. quite take about that much. Yes. I do. I just... I don't know why. Tell me, Steph, what does it do for you, eating paper? Like, what is, what is the, the I meaning behind it? I think it's like a it? nervous tick. It's like a tumor nails as well. I wish I didn't, but I bite my nails. But I wish I didn't. But um, I don't know. I don't know why. Well, this lady from America, her name's Kenna, uh, she Kenna, says... The sea egg. I mean, I guess so. K-I-N-A-H. You know that feeling, like after Thanksgiving, you've eaten all your favourite foods and you're sitting on your couch and you're just relaxing. That's what I feel like after I eat toilet paper. 
Has anyone out there got any weird habits? Just I'd te- like to know. Just text them through. Double, double eight, eight, double, double three. three. <laughs> something weird that, that you do, like uh, it could be something weird that you eat or... I don't know. Like, I just do little corners of paper and I just mess it round in my mouth. I don't know. I don't know how you can do that. I don't swallow it. Oh, you just spit it out? Yeah. Well, this lady swallows it. Oh, jeepers. And she's consumed 6,350 kilos of toilet paper over the past 20 years. And it cost her $2,700 a year just to eat some paper. <laughs> oh, and guess that it has zero calories and won't even give you a hangover. That's her reasoning. Solid. Ridiculous. Mm. I got one more story for you, Steph. Um, there's a g- great movie rollout that's just happened yesterday. I don't know if you've seen it. There's two movies that came out, and they're basically complete, and they're polar opposites. And there's this new thing called our Barbenheimer. So there's the new Barbie film and the Oppenheimer film. Yes. And they dropped on the exact same day. And the, the internet is having a field day with it, right? I've seen so many memes of like the the characters from Barbie just watching atomic bombs blow up and things like that. People are making merch. Oh, it's great. No, that's great. So I know what I'm doing for my weekend, Steph. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to figure out: Do I watch Barbie or Oppenheimer first? <laughs> You're not going to watch Barbie, are you? <laughs> you never know. A good little mix. Can watch a light-hearted Barbie film and then go watch <laughs> a movie on the atomic bomb. I think I'd rather eat a roll of toilet paper than watch the Barbie movie. I actually think I would. Maybe I'll find someone to go watch it with, or I'll go by myself. Do we eat anything weird? No. You don't. I don't any- eat toilet paper or anything. You know something else I eat that not many people eat? Go on. The skin of kiwi fruit. Oh. I eat a kiwi fruit like an apple. Like an apple? I chop the- I've seen people do that before. I chop the ends off, so I don't eat the co- the, the, the bits mm. of the ends. Um, Craig, I'm not reading that. Uh, um... So did you know? Here's another fun fact. It's a fun fact in the middle of the sh- in the middle of what's making news. In life, there's 23 essential vitamins and minerals, something or enzymes or something like that. The kiwi fruit has 21 of them. 18 of those are in the skin. Oh. I also heard it's really good to eat like the string. I don't know what it's called. Off the bananas. Oh yeah. Like the I don't I don't know what the technical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Quite Apparently they they're like really like good for you and hold like heaps of protein or something like that. Potassium it'll be. And, and that, as that as well. Okay. Yeah. Um, Does anyone else eat anything weird? Kiwi fruit skins, corners off the paper. Mm. Who knows? Staff, I got a fact. Good. There's enough gold inside Earth to coat the planet. Mm. Okay. That's if you beat it out into cold gold leaf thickness? or um, I'll, I'll read out a little description for you. Uh, turns out it's quite a bit of gold well, inside the planet. Like It's mostly to the, the Earth's core. Mm-hmm. Um, it's enough to coat the entire surface of Earth in one and a half feet of gold. Oh, my God, so that's like, a lot. That's like what? It's like that? Yeah, it's quite yeah. a bit, eh? It's 18 inches. Yeah. So that's my quote, for, uh, my, quote my uh, no, fact for the day. it's more than eight. Oh yeah, twelve inches is a foot. Yeah, yeah, it's about yeah, about that. Half a yard, one and a half feet. So yeah, crazy, right? Wow. Um, Craig's asked us to define the toilet paper, which I won't do, Craig. Um, does anyone else out there eat anything weird that other people don't? Does anyone eat orange peel? I know, I know a guy that eats uh, watermelon skin. It's really tough, but he eats it. Apparently, it's good for your liver. He told me. Um, banana skins, surely not. Surely not. Um. What else is there? I'm struggling. But uh, there'll be someone out there that weeds some weeds. I heard, you know, Joel and Fletch do the run home uh, six till seven. 
Uh, Fletch admitted to, they did a thing on their show the other night, um, I love it, it was like bad habits you did as, as a kid that you shouldn't do as an adult, but you still do. Brian Fletcher still bites his toenails and he still licks his plate after a meal. <laughs> I love that. Why would you admit that on the radio? <laughs> oh, he's, he's a special man, is Fletch. He is a special, special man. Right, we'll have our last break before the news. Uh, still to come, the Jeremy Paul Show isn't far away, so get your text message questions. You love asking him questions. We'll be linking up with him after the 2 o'clock news. Also, we're going to go across the ditch with Jimmy Smith. And before we round out, we've got some highlights of the Ashes. Have we got the highlights of the Ashes? We have got the highlights of the Ashes for you before we wind up the show. But we'll come back shortly. Oh, look, this is the response I was looking for. Mark says, I knew a geek that ate the clip on part of a Bic pen. Jeepers. Hey, guys, I used to work with a guy who's drunk Listerine. Staff, I'm surprised you haven't mentioned the Turbo's preseason game tonight against the mighty Marco. Fins up, Paul. I know, I know. Turbo's playing a preseason game. They're playing next week as well in Taupo against Bay of Plenty. So I won't be here next Friday. I'm going down there for the preseason game. Such is my uh, commitment. Uh, Dave says he doesn't mind Fijoa skin. Oh, that's bitter. Um, got a very long one, which I do want to read. I sometimes look at my plate if there's still something tasty on it. It makes washing the dishes easier and there's nothing to be ashamed about. <laughs> look, I admit, gravy gets me. Ice cream gets me. I could be a plate looker. Have you got questions for Jeremy Paul? He is moments away. Double eight, double three. Glen Clearing this evening with breezy to brisk southeasterlies. Catch live commentary of the FIFA Women's World Cup, the One New Zealand Warriors, and the Ashes all tonight on SENZ or the SENZ app. From lunch through to tea, this is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Just waiting for JP to call through. Um, number finishing in 623. You know I can't read that. You know I can't read that. Uh, oh my gosh. Domo. Two raw eggs and a glass of cold milk with a teaspoon of Marmite. Mix it up. Scull it. My breakfast every morning. Go-go juice. Let me see that again. Two raw eggs, cold milk, and Marmite. Oh, my God. No. Um, it's a question for JP. I'll slide that over to the side. But this one here. Hey, lads. On the weird stuff... I have a weird, odd, oh, a weird OCD phobia of buttons, you know, like shirts, etc. Not as in I freak out, but I generally get really uncomfortable, like what happens with nails on a blackboard. It's only specific buttons or on specific things, but there's no pattern. And if I find one, <laughs> this is crazy, if I find one that makes me uncomfortable, I have to fold the shirt so I can't see that particular button. 
or I won't buy a teddy bear with a button on it. I fully admit I'm a weirdo. I'm not going to say your name because you are. You are. Button. Um, uh, And just quickly before we go to JP, must watch this weekend is the Mid-Canterbury Club Finals. Ashburton Celtic and Senior A and B Finals. Bring it home, the Green Machines. That's from Richard. The Mighty Men of Mid, their Club Rugby Finals this weekend. But for now, it's time to introduce my co-host for the next 20, 25 minutes. Let's go. It's time for the Jeremy Paul Show with your hosts, Mark Stafford and Jeremy Paul. Jeremy Paul Show. The Jeremy Paul Show live and exclusive uh, right around Australia and New Zealand as we speak. JP, welcome in. Oh, kia ora, bro. How are we, my man? Oh, we, we are good. We are football fevered up here. Football ferns. Last night, yes. opened the Win FIFA World Cup game. against oh. the top tier team in their group, and they beat them. It's it's hard to comprehend. It really is, actually. Like when, like I remember, I used to do this. Um, I used to do this TV show here uh, in Australia with Mark Bosnich. Mm-hmm. And excuse the voice, um, everyone. Of family's been fun. I've been crook. Of the all my kids' little petri dishes have finally given it to me. So I've got a bit of a husky voice. This is my sexy Friday voice. I like but, it. Um, yeah, you're loving it, aren't you? Yeah, I am. But I, I remember talking to Mark Bojanis about this, and I remember t- talking to him and I said, because like the Socceroos in Australia, it's, it's all, we constantly complain, why don't we make the court? Why, why aren't we doing any better? And I, I remember asking, going, how are we meant to compete? against France who are worth like a billion dollars like and that like how are you meant to actually compete it's like 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 you just mentioned the Ashburton side playing against the All Blacks on the weekend I mean it's 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 incredible to think the difference in terms of tiers and levels and particularly in soccer right particularly in Europe so what an incredible effort man it was just ah and the crowd, well done, New Zealand. Mm. Wow, the crowd was amazing. It was. Um, I, I'm conscious we're going to get a few questions. So we've got a few questions for you have come in already. So let's yep. get to them now. The first one that sent it in was Josh, and he said, JP, should the rest of the world be wary of France with the power they are showing in rugby, both at 20s and their senior team? I fear that uh, France will be nigh on unbeatable in four or five years' time. Mate, Northern Hemisphere rugby. <laughs> Did you see who they played in the final of yes. that under-20s? Yes. Ireland. <laughs> and they're my Smokies for the World Cup, the Irish side. So, But it, it, it's, it's not about fear. It's, this, is, this is a wonder. I mean, rugby in Australia is, like everyone in Australia thinks rugby's rubbish, right? Like in terms of where the sport is. But internationally, we're actually strong. We're incredibly strong. And in terms of an entertainment product, in terms of a product that we can sell worldwide, where we're the third largest televised event behind the Olympics and the Soccer World Cup. That last World Cup, 2019, Japan saw the numbers rise. And the only way that that can happen 
is if we have a level playing field mm. and we need like we can't just go and go oh, it's going to be the all blacks world cup oh there might be a surprise or it's going to be the all south africa this is amazing for world rugby but it also shows what they've done with their high performance units right it shows how they've now changed internally and they've been able to put more infrastructure and more money into the development of players coming through but they've also shrunk their like we as australia we need to follow the island model like we need to be able to like come together bring all our stakeholders together but they're leading the world rugby man france like i I, i've always said it's france's world cup to lose Mm. like to be playing at home well we saw the like the new zealand women's soccer team last night i reckon that i reckon that win was because they were at home like it's it's hard to I suppose measure in terms of playing in front of your home crowd but i know every test match that i got to play at home you were always 10 times better mm. if that makes sense so yes not scared but we should be well we should be excited we should be excited that we can now have a genuine and now the pacific islander teams can have players that have played for other countries and come back and play for them like like they beat uh, Australia A uh, over the weekend over over in Tonga as well, and and they only had a four day prep. So, you know, to think that this Rugby World Cup this year is arguably going to be the most even we've seen. Uh, I'm I'm nothing but excited, Josh. To be honest, I think in terms of a product internationally, and if they get this international scheduling done properly. Like, I, I believe that it's due, they're looking to release it in 2026, I believe. Yeah. Where, because then you're going to get the rejuvenation of players. Like, if they can have a, like, Wallaby and All Black players, they they play, they basically play from February or late Jan, where they start training, and then they don't finish until November. They literally get four weeks off, four to six weeks to recover. If you look at rugby league, they get a good three month off season, three to three and a half month off season. And that's how you keep a top level game, our scheduling. So hopefully we can get that in balance as well. Your mate Ken has texted in. <sighs> Staffy. My man. For JP, will Eddie Jones consider playing the Australian under 20s team against the All Blacks and the Bledisloe one? They might have a better chance, uh, a better oh. shot than the current mob of Wallabies. Ken, you. you. <laughs> You never cease to amaze me, Ken, which is how much you love ripping my heart out of my chest. Um, yeah, we're, you know, there are pickles and then there are pickles, right? And this is a pickle. <laughs> like we, uh, yeah, we, we haven't shown much. Um, I will say, look, not defending Eddie, but um, coming in, he's got the existing players that obviously here he hasn't been able to develop players over numerous years haven't been able to pick but um and and when you look at that all black and south african game what a game by the way oh my goodness that first 27 minutes mm. what did we say last week shannon Fazell mm. and will jordan um oh and please i hope sam sam kane okay i haven't heard anything over here is yeah he okay? yeah is his neck okay we're oh, hearing he's God. okay yeah it was more oh, precautionary because he's had neck issues so it was just yeah a precaution. I, I saw the tackle when i was watching the game i saw the tackle and i was like oh that's a crusher mm. i saw when he went back on his back and he landed in his chin i i played with um two bulging discs in my neck and i was basically hanging on by a thread for my last two years it's yeah it's quite scary playing with a neck injury but yeah, i wish him all the best um 
Oh, that was an incredible game. Oh, my goodness. Wow. And the Wallabies are – look, if, if you look at the Wallabies and, and the biggest, I, I suppose, um, criticism to come out of the games has been the kicking game. Now, you look at the All Blacks in the South African game, there was just as much kicking, but it was the contest, right? Yeah. Like we had Mark Talia jumping up. Will Jordan, I think, took the ball a couple of times. Um, there's, and, and tactical kicking where you can then put pressure on the line out. So there's nothing wrong with kicking in union. Like in, in rugby, kicking is a is a very integral part of the game. It can be but a weapon. We, Oh, it's a hundred percent. Remember Ben Smith? Oh, I used to love Ben Smith when he would like it, that. Like he'd kick it up 30, 40 meters, and he'd regather nearly every single time, or at least make it a contest. And I think when you're aimlessly kicking, but uh, look, I, I think Eddie's got to go really left field here. And I, man, I, I would love to see, I'd love to see our man Tate McDermott. I, I, I want to see a running halfback. I want to see a running halfback. The only way that you can get around a side like the All Blacks, is you've got to shrink them. You've got to go through them before you can go around them. And the only way you can do that is with a running halfback. I'd love to see Tate McDermott start. Obviously, Len, um, Len Ikitao, oh, what about that? What about having a 6-2 bench and your outside centre goes down? Oh, God, it's always your worst nightmare. But, uh, look, Ken, we, yeah, no, we're in trouble. But, look, I think, I think Eddie, again, he's going to be marked on the World Cup. So... Just another Bledisloe Cup we lost. Oh, God. What's that? 37 now? <laughs> um, you might be interested. We had John Knuckles Connolly on the show on Tuesday. Not my favourite person at all. Mm, and Eddie Jones isn't his favourite person at all either. <laughs> and an interesting comment of his about Quade Cooper is he said Quade Cooper is the best passer of a rugby ball in the world but he can't run anymore. And if you haven't got a running halfback, as you mentioned, and you haven't got a running first five, that's pretty easy to defend. Oh, no, of course not. But he, he did run on the weekend. Um, you, you're also talking about you know, Samu Karevi, who's also come back from um, a knee reconstruction as well. Mm. Um, but your, ten, your nine and ten can't run unless your forward pack is actually getting some type of momentum. Our discipline has been poor. Look, there's some really, some really, really quick fixes here. Like South Africa did in the second half, that 20 minutes. Right? What they did was they went back to their, their old game plan. Get off the line incredibly quick and make your tackles. Put pressure on the breakdown. Like the physicality level rose, as you would have seen, right? Like, because South Africa were really never any threat in that game. Like, I mean, they, they did get back to, what, 2013, I think, at one stage. But the All Blacks had that from minute one to minute 80. They, all, always, they always looked like they were in control. But for 20 minutes into that second half, we probably saw the blueprint of how the box are going to play in the, in the World Cup. They play like that every year, every World Cup. Off the line incredibly quick, shutting down from the outside. Huge physicality at the breakdown. Huge physicality. And that's and that's this is something that an individual player can change. And that and that's where I believe look rugby world cups are also won on defenses by your defense, as well as big test matches like that is like cup games. Like you, you just got to continually make your tackles, but not just not passive tackles, but make them aggressive tackles. And and you're in the contest where you can then get up. And you would have seen that in that sort of 20-minute like sort of fight where we saw 
the box going um, counter ruck, actually counter ruck the All Blacks a few times, and we and we probably saw about twenty minutes of it from the Springboks. Now they'll be looking to go for eighty minutes, obviously, when it comes rugby world cup time. But I think those couple of simple things like our defence. You score 31 points in a game, bro, you should be able to win a game. Mm. Like, you know, 34 points is too much. So, you know, there's there's a couple of simple things that they can fix up to be able to build momentum from. The Springboks' best team was on the bench. And I, I could see that ploy that they would try and weather, <clears throat> excuse me, weather the early All Black Storm and then bring on Malcolm Marks and friends in the second half and try and take the game away. And conversely, I felt like the All Blacks team saw that South African bench and said, let's fast start, let's just be clinical and let's make ourselves uncatchable. So it sort of backfired a bit for the Springboks, but I feel like they're not going to be too disheartened because they did have the measure of the All Black for a big fat part of that game. They are the Rugby World Cup champions. That's the most thing the most important thing to them. they I mean, we play for the Freedom Cup, but it's not, nothing like the stature of the Bledisloe Cup. Their whole focus is France at the World Cup. A hundred percent, mate. Do you remember when Michael Checker, we won one game, we went over to Eden Park, the, I think it was the following week, um, and he completely changed the side because it, it was during the 2015 World Cup and he was criticised, but it was about building a squad for the Rugby World Cup. How how you see, like, international matches leading up to the Rugby World Cup are pretty much trials. And the only way you can win a Rugby World Cup is with a squad. Mm. You don't win it with, with 20, the 23 players. You need you need your top thirty two players as well as your reserves. So what is the what is the best environment to test players to see if they're ready? Play them in New Zealand against the All Blacks against the Red Hot All Blacks. Oh, look from a tactical side, that's how I sort of saw it. Um, and look, the, I'm not saying that the game itself, in terms of, wasn't you know big enough for them in terms of the Freedom Cup to to play their best side. But um, when you also look at your squad, you also look as players are, are as good as each other, and they should be able to step in. And that and that's that's the mark of of the All Blacks as well, right? Like you know, you look at their production line and being able to bring players off and on. Like I wouldn't be surprised if. If a couple of play, if they make a couple of changes, actually, um, particularly for the return serve in New Zealand. So, oh, look, no, no, you got it. You got to make your your reserves and your squad are just as important, if not as as important as your starting fifteen. So, oh, look, that they, they were just blowing off the park, mate. Like, no, t- talking about a fast start. That's you know, with, with, with Eddie Jones, and this is actually what the Wallabies have done. They've actually started incredibly well. Every test match that I played under Eddie would have been 60 or 60, odd, well over 50. Oh, 30, 30, 40. Um, fast start. Got to start fast. Got to start fast every single time. Because that, that, that's it's obviously what sets up the tone of the game, right? Like, you've, you've got to – like, whether a fast, fast start's not necessarily scoring points. It's just making sure they don't score points. Um, get your systems right. Set piece. I mean, if, if, if you're going to be picky about the All Blacks win, is their set piece. Like, they let a couple of scrummaging penalties. Like, their scrummaging was, um, was good. But, you know, if, you, if you're going to be incredibly picky. But, but also, too um, – 
the way that they fell asleep in that sort of 20 minutes as well. So that, they've got – the scary thing for the Wallabies is they've got a huge room for improvement, the All Blacks. So, yeah, it's not looking pretty. Yeah, the feeling over here is our A-plus top team will play Bledis low one. Providing the All Blacks win that, they'll come back, <clears throat> Bledisloe 2 in Dunedin, and we'll see Roy Gard. We might see Whanganuku if he's not ready for the first one. We'll see a few of those changes because we're running out of time pre-World Cup. So that that's apparently uh, the feeling of what's going to happen. Incredibly, uh, Eddie Jones, does, does he ever... Like you, as you say, you played a lot of games. Up, he's always optimistic. Like he's had two bad losses, and he's still optimistic. And you know, we can do this. We can win the World Cup. Is is he? Can you help us with his mind? <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. Um, <laughs> no, no. Look, it's uh, uh, after deconstructing the games myself. No, that no. There's a little bit there that he can work with, like. Um, now we got some. We, we still have some world class players in terms of, um, you know, look at looking at Marika Korobiti. Um, Look, I, I look at the side, and I think if if Tupu comes back, Tanalea Tupu. Like I think Big Tong and Thor. I think if if because you build your team around your tight head prop. So Alan Alatoa has been extraordinary, and I think again, if you if you got too strong players within one position. Hooker's a little bit of a concern. He's, he has experimented with the second rows a bit. The back rows, not as balanced, obviously losing Hooper to injury. Um, I reckon I'll see, I reckon we'll see Pete Samu. Again, I'd love to see Tate McDermott, man. I really want to see this kid. Like, I just... I, Mate, I just give Eddie a call. Understand. Give Eddie... You've got his number. Give him a call. Just say, Eddie, <laughs> JP, remember <laughs> what we went through? Yeah, no. Well, look... That's what Griggs, Griggs and I, we used to call it Blade. We used to, Griggs, George Gregg and I, we used to run. So what the halfback, any young halfbacks out there listening or coaches, you, you, you don't actually run directly to the second defender. You actually arc a little bit. You run out, you run, it's almost backwards type thing where you're running in type of a, a half circle and you get to the inside shoulder of the second defender. And then you have a runner that's running in between the third and fourth defender. And I used to run in between the second and third defender. And remember the little pop, pop we used to call it an S-ball, that Gregan and Finnegan used to have between yep. the ruck and the first defender. So... What that allows is you've got four different options there where the halfback can then also run between the first and second defender. And he, he basically has choices. He can pick most, like the one between one and two, three and four, or the one uh, the one and ruck. So, and that's what Tate McDermott is incredibly good at. His vision around the ruck is is like a young Greg. And I, I haven't seen better. Oh, actually, Nick White used to do it when he was younger too. But I think as they start to get older, they don't run as much like I really do. <laughs> But we need a running halfback. We re- we really do. Like I'm loving. Uh, look, look. Nah, nah, I still can't pronounce his name. How how do you say his name? That winger, the one with 26 letters from the Waratahs. Nazi oh, Nagawa. Yeah, him. Yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah. Mark. Him. Marky Mate, Mark. 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 No Mark. Tawasi. Mate, is, yeah, yeah. Nala Tawasi. He is a super talent. He oh, is. Isn't like, he? Marika, and Marika Korobiti, and I think Tom Ryan is is like so. In terms of looking at the back three, I'm loving the back three. I'd love to see them counter attack a lot more. We're a little bit stuck at thirteen. Like thirteen is going to be now that Lanikitel. Um, but there, no, there's enough there, mate. Look, and, and what he would be doing is again, 
All Blacks played for 60 minutes on the weekend, but still had that game in total control. The Wallabies are currently playing at the moment anywhere from 10 to 15 minutes in a game. So all he's looking at is going, he's looking at the good parts that the Wallabies are, are playing and saying, we now need to replicate that five times more. We mm. need to play like that for 50 to 60 minutes. We've got it in us. We just need to do it for longer, and maybe that's how you that and that's how you simply look at it as a, from a coach's point of view, is that look, he'd obviously he'd obviously be in a hell of a lot more trouble if he didn't have that ten to twelve minutes, but it, but it wouldn't be more than twelve minutes at the moment that we're playing good footy. Running out of time, JP, but I do have to get to this last text message. It's not a question; it's a request. Uh, because we do have the Warriors playing the Canberra Raiders tonight, 4th oh. versus 5th. And this text, uh, no name on it, says, Forget the rugby. Can Jeremy please give us an up the waz? <laughs> Mate, I am loving the Warriors. Like, no, no flashiness, just purely team-orientated. And how good is it? to see Sean Johnson playing. I'm a massive fan. I always have been and always will be a massive fan of Sean Johnson. I remember watching him in the nines. Remember that? Yeah. When they used to have the nines and he just stepping and it's just so good to see him injury free. And when you got to play, when they've got ad lib footy players like they do, but it, but it's it's not about like it's not about actually their their playing style. It's about them showing up for each other. And oh man, I think the Warriors can go deep here, man, in this competition. So wait, wait. up the Warriors, yes, boy, that's what we want. Or an up the Waz, even better. Up the Waz. <laughs> Good on you, JP. We'll talk again soon. Cheer, See you, buddy. Gotcha. There is Jeremy Paul, the Jeremy Paul Show, two o'clock every Friday. Uh, so much love on the text machine for Jeremy Paul. He is a great man, isn't he? Uh, someone says, hey, Staffy, what happened to Mertz and the Aussie commentary team? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think he'll probably be back for the Blizzlow. I actually think he probably will be back. They use Sonny Bill now, don't they? Uh, interesting. Um, we're going to take new sport and weather. On the other side, we're going to play some highlights of the Ashes overnight, which I haven't even talked on, but baseball to the fore. That's after the news. If you missed the Ashes last night, here's a little taster of what you missed. As Wokes is in again, three slips in a gully in place, and he moves away and is gone. Cork moves away with the ball, pushes and it away from his body. Wokes has five. He's on the honours board. He's got Hazelwood for the second time today, but the first time legitimately. And Australia have been bowled out for 317. Addition of just 18 runs this morning. Wickets for Anderson off the first ball. Wokes with his fifth. Hazelwood goes. And that's the fifth time he's taken five wickets in 47 matches. His return to the England team at Headingley and here at Old Trafford has given England just a little bit more bite. Stark is in, left arm over the wicket, edged and gone. Duck it goes. A beautiful piece of bowling from Stark. Just in the channel outside the off stump. Duckett came forward to defend it. And he gets a little thin nick through to Carey. That's a classic left armour to left-handers. Dismissal. England moves there first. Duckett goes for one. England one for nine. Next delivery. Driven. Gloriously through extra cover. That is the Moeen Alley that is in the imaginations of the English. A languid drive through extra cover. It's been a rare, a vanishingly rare sight in recent years. But when you do see it, Oh, it takes you right back. No more than a little push. From the galley, bolster Crawley over the cordon. 
Four more in keeping with what Jared Kimber just said. So Crawley the 93, that's his 2000th run in Test cricket as well. Another milestone for a maligned opener, averaging under 30, but doing a job today. Two for 172 and reception. Yeah. Stark to Crawley, 93 from 90. Crawley swings again through the covers for four. So a switch to the previous delivery on top of the bounce here to 97 in a flash. Two for 176. Cummins up to the crease. Crawley cuts out through cover. That'll be the ton. Comes back for the second, takes on Hazelwood, gets through comfortably. Zach Crawley might have been the last name on the team sheet a month ago when this series started. But he's made contributions throughout. He's enhanced his reputation. And he's earned the opportunity to raise his bat for a test ton for the fourth time. And he's first in Ashes cricket. It's not been without luck. He's chanced his hand, but he's made it work for him. 12 boundaries and a six. Reaches the milestone in just 93 deliveries. Zach Crawley, 100 not out. Root's gone for the reverse ramp. Is there anybody out there? Well, if they are, it's sailing over them for six. We haven't seen that since Edge Baston. But it's a trademark Root chart. 11 off the over. Five singles and a six. The deficit just 100 on the Harvey Norman scoreboard. England to two for 217. Head into Crawley. Crawley goes for the big biff, and he's whacked it over mid-wicket, all the way for six. He's played that shot a couple of times, Lurch, he gets that front foot down, and he wallops it. He goes for 129, England 2 for 235. This is quite invested in young Zach, isn't he, Keezy? Bowling here is Cummins, driving again, not quite as well, but he'll get four more. Down towards long off, work to do, might get hauled in, won't get hauled in. Kawaja gave it his best, put in the dive, but Crawley, with that boundary, moves to 150. 152 from 152. He's hit 17 fours and two sixes. He's played aggressively throughout. He's given England a lot of options today. You could say he's proving the doubters wrong. Well, what he's certainly doing... He's providing ballast to those who believed in him all along. The last 18 months or so, Marsh bowls and Crawley oh. up and over the top of Long on for six. Crawley takes England into the lead in style. If you want to argue that angle, Crawley bowls, chops on, didn't get up, green round the wicket, and at last this partnership is broken after adding 206 together. What a performance it's been from Zach Crawley. The Australians all run over one by one to shake his hand. He meets Joe Root as well before leaving the field. Steve Smith, the last man over to acknowledge what's been a defining performance. His fourth test time, his first in Ashes cricket. Still in the attack, bowls for Root. Who bowls him? That's kept low and it's gone straight through his defences. It's hit. Middle and off, and turned the stumps into Hillbilly's teeth. That's just gone right through him. And it's a sign that we've been seeing in this game of the ball just started to keep low. The last ball of the day, he push drives to short extra cover. He survives, Stokes survives. And England, they go into stumps on four for 384. Brook 14, Stokes 24. The crowd rises to what has undeniably been for once, an unequivocally one-sided day.
I'm wondering about the uh, feedback from his listeners on the back of the Matildas win, if it's been as positive and all-encompassing as our football ferns win. Um, he'll be coming to us very, very shortly. Uh, we'll probably talk about the Warriors and Canberra Raiders as well. He's a great rugby league man, Jimmy Smith. <clears throat> so if they're on time, which I'd imagine they will be, they'll be there now. He is there now, Jimmy Smith. Hey! Uh, actually... In all seriousness, hope everyone's safe over there in Auckland. That was pretty scary yesterday morning, right? It was bloody awful. Like we're not used to that sort of thing, Jimmy. No. Like right in no. the right in the heart of Auckland as well. Yeah. Um, and I knew something was up driving to work, Jimmy. I had I counted them thirteen, sorry, fourteen police cars, and I've never seen police cars with sirens on the motorway with so much urgency. And I was thinking, this yeah. is something big. And they just kept coming in groups of threes. And then the armed defenders drove past me. And I thought, hang on. And then came into work and heard what had happened. It's It really soured what should have been a, a, a happy historical day sports-wise with our football fans winning the opening game of the World Cup we're co-hosting with you guys. But yeah, our, our thoughts are definitely with the people that are affected too, innocent people and the shooter, the ones that have perished. Yeah. Yeah, uh, well said, mate. Yeah, I know. Uh, that that struck me. Because as you say, it, when, you know, if that came out of the US, you go, oh, not again. But yeah. when it's Auckland, you think, oh, dear, that, that is um, not good at all. So let's get to some of the positives. And that was the performance of your women's team in the FIFA World Cup and our women's team in the FIFA World Cup. Overall, you know what our feeling is over here? Eh, we won 1-0, but we didn't play that well, which I think is reflective of our expectation. What's the feeling over in NZ? Euphoric. Right. U- unanimously really? euphoric. The biggest crowd to a soccer football match ever in New Zealand, either gender. The first time uh, our football fans have won a game at a FIFA World Cup. And yes. Norway were the top-ranked team in our group, and we are now daring to dream. Immediately after the match, uh, the New Zealand team's next two matches are now sold out. The pickup and tickets of all the other matches are going gangbusters. It's yep. such a feel-good story, and you probably haven't followed our women's football team. I don't think I'm stretching the bow to say they've been terrible for about two or three years. They they right. went they went five and a half games without scoring a goal against average opposition, right. and, and this is Norway with one of the best strikers in the world, uh, two of the best midfielders in the world, yes. in front of forty two thousand people at Eden Park. It's just we can't comprehend it, Jimmy. Where are the next two games? Because we had the situation here. We had 75,700 at a course stadium, and of course these tickets first went on sale. At Allianz Stadium, maximum capacity 45,000. Within a day, organisers realised uh, we're going to need to build a bigger boat, right? We're <laughs> going to need a bigger boat. And and so they did. And so um, we've got great excitement. I think the ticket sales, and I don't know, I read this a couple of days ago, and I don't know if it uh, included sales of tickets in New Zealand, but 1.4 million tickets had been sold and it had already outsold 2019 in France. Yeah, uh, I actually think Australia was responsible for something like 65 to 70% of the ticket sales. New Zealand was lagging behind. But New Zealand's a real walk-up crowd, a real right. on, on the day. Um, yep. People now are booking online. The next game is in Wellington. That'll be sold out, 35,000. And then that's against the Philippines. And then their final game is in Dunedin at the indoor stadium. And I think they seat sort of 2022, 20, something like that. But both packed, amazing atmospheres. We've never cheered for this before, Jimmy. We've never yeah. had uh, women's football to cheer for. I think the 
newness, the grit and determination they showed. Where I had one of them on the show to kick the show off, and oh, wow. th- they just can't quite believe it. Yeah, well, we're we're excited for our team, but as I said, we we have expectations. You know, mm. we didn't. Um, we, yeah, yeah, we we we'd be really really euphoric with a final appearance. Semi final, mm. it'll be yeah, that's really good. Quarter final was like mm. anything beyond that, we'll be disappointed. We um, we were before our three group games. If we can if we can snare a draw, you know, and maybe two draws, yeah, right. if yeah. we can get there, and then you know, um, dare we to dream? Now we're leading the group. It's insane. Yeah, how good mm. it, it is. It, so we sat there last night and you know called all the kids down because Tracy and I were watching and said, "Come and have a look at the the anthems and the start of this game because you know this is inspiring for generate no matter what the sport is, right? You're mm. representing your country and and Ireland as well. We've got Irish um, heritage." And, and then, of course, Tracy's American. So we immediately looked up, right, well, where are the USA games? Why don't we go and check out, you know, one of the competition favourites? And they're all over in New Zealand. Yeah. And, and do you so, know these 20,000 Americans have come here to support them? Oh, wow. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. It's, our corn dog sales are going to go through the roof. <laughs> <laughs> what about cornhole? Get, mate, quickly make some cornhole. And take that to a bar. They love it, the Seppos. They they love that sort of stuff. Hey, our talk topic today. Oh, actually, do you want to do the RTS thing or our talk topic? Um, well, we've done the RTS thing here as well. Oh, right. I will okay. say, like, he's these intimations that he might go and play for Samoa and Rugby League. A couple of years ago, I did a podcast with Adi Savia, potentially the best All Black at the moment. Yes. And yes. he said he wants to wear the Samoan emblem before his playing days are over. And because of the restriction, you can't he can't play for rugby Samoa, but he could play for rugby league Samoa, and he wants to do it for his grandfather before his playing days are over. Next Rugby World Cup, he'll be 31-32. Roger Tuivasa-Shek and Adi Savia playing for Samoa in the Rugby League World Cup. How? <laughs> wow, that – Wow. Mm. Get absolutely get excited by that. Mm. That would that would be huge. So our talk topic today mm. is great performances against Australia, given Zach Crawley's one eight nine from one eight two, mm. and we get this in from Chef George up there at Logan Village. Hey Jimmy, how about the Kiwis defeating the Kangaroos at the two thousand and eight Rugby League World Cup final at Suncorp for a nomination? Kangaroos were raging hot favourites, but the Wayne Bennett effect worked on the Kiwis. So. And remember, do you know who got player of the match in that game? Uh, Lance Ohio? Darren Lockyer. And they lost. Oh, oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Is this one of those situations, is it? Yeah, same as when we beat Australia in the cricket at Hobart and Dougie Bracewell took six wickets and they gave man of the match to, oh, was it Warner or Clark or something? It was just like, that's so Australian. (laughs) It's like when Manly get beaten in the grand final and somehow DCE comes up with a yeah. player of the match. Or anyway, yeah. anyway. Um, so, oh, Darren Lockyer got player of the match. At least we gave Richard Hadley, who's already had a nomination, when he got nine for yeah. and six for and a 50, we said, right, we better get him man of the match. <laughs> no, yeah, nine for 52. You can't really give it to Bruce Reed or one of those other idiots. <laughs> well, he, he, actually, for the pick of the board, who... Richard Hadley caught the other wicket. Yes, he did. In that, uh, who was it? Who was the Australian batsman? You... Oh, gee. No, I don't know. Uh, Greenkeeping Rooster already sent it in. Yes, Jeff Henry Lawson. Jeffrey Lawson. Player, player caught by Richard Hadley. Running backwards over his shoulder, I think. It was a good catch. So He had, he had my full permission to drop it. 
<laughs> yeah, that's right. I reckon Sir Richard, stories I've heard about him, thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> He's a unique character, is Sir Richard. Yes. As are you, Mark. However, the time has must, come. Yes. Do the Warriors beat the Raiders tonight, Jimmy? Oh, we're calling that on SEN. I don't know whether uh, you guys are coming. Yes. I can't wait. I don't know. Yeah, Sammy's calling. This is our hardest opponent for the rest of the regular season. All the rest are below us. If we get this, we're a chance of the four. Cannot yes. wait. Yes, it's absolutely huge. This is a massive, massive game tonight, and I can't wait to, to watch it. Good um, on you, Jimmy. Thanks, Steffi. Cheers, Have a buddy. great and a safe weekend, mate. Thank you very yeah, much. There he is, Mark. Thank you very much. Jimmy Smith of Coco Magic fame. Uh, we'll come back and wrap it up before we hand over to the run home. Here's what happened back in the day. Yes, July 21, 1974, Eddie Merckx wins his fifth Tour de France and this latest instalment will finish this weekend. Jonas Vingegaard, he will win. 2007, former England football captain David Beckham made his debut for the Galaxy in a friendly against Chelsea in front of a capacity crowd in Los Angeles. Birthdays today, turning 70, Bernie Fraser, oh, the Wellington winger. Uh, 70, 46 years old today is Paul Casey, Tamika Catchings, WNBA forward is 44, and Joaquin, Spanish football winger, is 42. The number one movie in 1994 was Forrest Gump, and in that same year, the number one song was I Swear. I see the questions in your eyes. Um, just come across my desk. I normally let this play out to the news, but we've got 30 seconds. Um, on the back of yesterday, downtown Auckland, Two people have just climbed to the top of the ferry building in Auckland. They broke in during the shooting siege yesterday and they've climbed to the top and now central Auckland is cordoned off again. You absolute plonkers. They're disrupting ferries, they're disrupting traffic, they're disrupting foot traffic. No one knows what they're doing, what they want, why they're there. You absolute plonkers. And on that note, Isaac Boss and Kim Downs, they'll keep you up to date of everything. The Run Home's next. Thank you, Finn.